Welcome to the Conscious Mental Health Podcast for mental health professionals who are always learning. The Conscious Mental Health Podcast is a series of diverse educational resources for mental health professionals sponsored by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. We believe continuing education is an essential aspect of mental health care that is ever evolving and changing, just like the communities we serve. The CMH podcast is part of our efforts to increase access to modern experiential knowledge across all stages of a clinician's career. We share engaging conversations with skilled therapists, multidisciplinary experts, and advocates committed to thinking outside the box using an integrative approach. Our episodes are similar to our training style in that you receive research-informed content and guided practices, news updates, and other segments to support you in your personal and clinical practice. This podcast is intended to provide information as a resource and is not a substitute for mental health treatment, medical advice, or professional training. And the statements and views shared by the guest are their own. Hello, I'm Juniper Owens, Director of the Academy of Integrative Mental Health and your host for today's episode. And we are back with mental health news updates. So we're going to be updating you on all the latest news from September and October. Now there is a content warning of this episode with mentions of suicide and weight loss. So let's going to go ahead and get started with in the headlines. Today, we're going to be examining the link between Ozempic and mental health. What do providers need to know? Ozempic is a medication that's primarily approved and prescribed for the treatment of type 2 diabetes, as it helps to lower blood sugar levels by mimicking the effects of a hormone called glucogen-like peptide 1, or GLP-1. However, there has been growing interest in using Ozempic, along with other semiglutide drugs like Wegovy, for example, for weight loss. And it has gained approval for this purpose as well in some countries. But neither Ozempic nor another similar drug, Manjaro, is approved for weight loss in the U.S. specifically. The FDA greenlit them for type 2 diabetes in 2017 and 2022, respectively. But doctors commonly use them for off-label for weight loss. Wegovy, which was approved in 2021 for weight loss, contains the same key ingredient as Ozempic called semiglutide, while Manjaro uses a slightly different one, tirzepatide. The use of Ozempic and other similar drugs for weight loss has been all over TikTok and, of course, in Hollywood. All right, Ozempic update. Um, I'm getting off of it. Today I went in for my shot and I told him that my side effects have not improved and they've actually gotten really, really bad. In a recent CNN report, two patients said they've been diagnosed with severe gastroparesis, also known as stomach paralysis, after taking Ozempic. This is why you're getting nauseous on Ozempic or Manjaro. Yeah, you have to uh, have diabetes to get a prescription. That's what I heard and 
I don't know. People are doing Ozempic parties here in L.A. where they all do Ozempic. But I have diabetes, too, and that's why I'm on it. The secret is out on Ozempic, and apparently this is how Hollywood has been losing a ton of weight recently. This article just came out in Variety. Last week's Emmy Awards saw big winners gush over gratitude of agents, but one notable benefactor to many stars that went unthanked is Ozempic. Yeah, the brunch was good. I mean, no one really ate because everyone's on Ozempic, but it was good. Among the listed side effects of semiglutide drugs, like... And you may lose weight. Adults lost up to 14 pounds. Ozempic isn't for people with type 1 diabetes. Don't share needles or pens or reuse needles. Don't take Ozempic if you or your family ever had medullary thyroid cancer or have multiple endocrineal plasia syndrome type 2 or are allergic to it. Stop Ozempic and get medical help right away if you get a lump or swelling in your neck, severe stomach pain, or an allergic reaction. Serious side effects may include pancreatitis. Gallbladder problems may occur. Tell your provider about vision problems or changes. Taking Ozempic with the urea or insulin may increase low blood sugar risk. Side effects like nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea may lead to dehydration, which may worsen kidney problems. Many people taking Ozempic and related drugs have described changes in their mental health. Outside of the U.S., there has been about 150 cases of individuals reporting self-harm and suicidal ideation after taking the drug. And in the U.S., there have been about 489 reports of patients experiencing anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts while taking semiglutide drugs. And 96 of those reported suicidal ideation. But that side effect isn't mentioned in Ozempic's instructions for use or drug label. So are the problems a coincidence or related to the drug? In July, the European Medicines Agency said that it was looking into the risk of thoughts of self-harm and suicidal ideation with the use of Ozempic and similar drugs. As of July 11th, the regulator, which is Europe's FDA, was evaluating more than 150 reports. However, the FDA has not taken a similar step. For now, the agency is monitoring the situation and maintains that the benefits of these medications outweigh their risks when used as per FDA-approved labeling. Notably, the weight loss drug Wagovi, containing the same active ingredient as Ozempic, semiglutide, includes a warning about suicidal thoughts on its label. The FDA's Adverse Event Reporting System, FAERS, as mentioned earlier, has received 489 reports of mental health changes, with 96 reporting SI and five individuals dying by suicide. It remains uncertain whether Ozempic and similar drugs are the direct cause of these mental health changes, as the FAERS database is voluntary and unverified, lacking a comparison group to discern causality. There's another limitation to the pre-approval studies. Who gets to be a part of them? Dr. Amy Rothberg, an endocrinologist at the University of Michigan, says patients recruited for the Ozempic clinical trials were screened for depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. They would have been excluded from participating in these trials. Quote, you know that's not necessarily what goes on in clinical practice, she says. Quote, and so there are going to be people who have major depressive disorder who may be getting treatment, but may have an enhanced susceptibility to having worsening anxiety or depression on these drugs that we just did not account for, end quote. After reviewing the FAARS reports, Rothberg found almost every patient listed had an underlying major health condition that 
based on the database alone, would make it hard to determine whether the drug causes suicidal thoughts. In a comprehensive report published by NBC News, highlights a specific case in which a man who was prescribed Ozempic experienced suicidal thoughts, ultimately leading to tragic consequences. This individual had a history of anxiety, depression, and a thyroid disorder, prompting questions about the possible contribution of these factors to his mental health challenges while using the medication. The man's family members have voiced concerns about the adequacy of information provided by healthcare providers regarding the potential impact of Ozempic on his mental health. They argue that he should not have been prescribed the medication in the first place. Medical professionals interviewed for the article presented varying perspectives on the issue. Some doctors reported prescribing Ozempic to patients with a history of depression and had not observed signs of medication-induced suicidal thoughts. They pointed out that the drug does not contain the active ingredients known to induce such thoughts. However, other healthcare experts suggested that reports of suicidal thoughts on Ozempics should not be dismissed outright, even if clinical trials have not shown an elevated risk. They recommend that healthcare providers be vigilant about monitoring changes in mood among patients taking the medication, even though this is not a standard practice as it is not mentioned in the prescribing label. The article also discusses the potential impact of Ozempic on eating habits, suggesting that the drug's appetite-suppressing effects could lead to changes in mood for some individuals, as food is often associated with pleasure and coping. However, some medical professionals question this hypothesis, emphasizing the lack of scientific evidence to support a direct link between changes in eating habits and suicidal thoughts. Additionally, the article mentioned that Ozempic has effects on brain chemistry, particularly on the brain's reward center. Some patients reported that the medication decreased their urges to engage in various behaviors like drinking, smoking, shopping, or gambling. However, for some individuals, it might also decrease the feeling of pleasure altogether. Legitimately horrific side effects. Okay. The stories are all over social media. I was violently vomiting to the point where I was vomiting blood. Every medication that comes onto the market um, uh, needs to be looked at for adverse side effects. This obesity doctor says if the reports are confirmed, health agencies then need to figure out whether the medication is causing the condition. Anyone who's seeking weight management actively is at a higher risk of suicidal ideation. And that's been documented in clinical trials. So, so the question is, is, is this just a correlation or is it actually a causation? The next step means that we need to start running the studies. In conclusion, the article delves into the complexities surrounding the potential relationship between Ozempic and suicidal thoughts. While some patients have reported experiencing changes in mood and behavior while taking the medication, the medical community holds varying opinions on the extent and mechanisms of these effects. So... We really want to underscore the need for healthcare providers to consider individual patient histories and closely monitor any concerning changes when prescribing and administering Ozempic. Next is the research review. In a recent study published in the Journal of Sex Research, Researchers explored the world of dating apps to gain insights into the experiences of individuals who identify as incels or involuntary celibates. These individuals grapple with distinct challenges in the realm of dating and relationships. 
Incels are individuals who identify as unable to secure romantic or sexual relationships despite their desire to do so. Incels mostly congregate online and often fit a similar description. Mostly comprised of young men, most of them being white. The subculture even has its own terms. Chads and Stacey's referred to uh, regular uh, men and women who are having sex. The common themes being anger, alienation, and misogyny. So essentially, incel is an online subculture, you could call them. They exist within this thing, which is colloquially referred to as the manosphere. It's where you find the men's rights activists, you find the MGTOW, which are men going their own way, you find the pickup artists. You can't really view this group as monolithic, but what they all have at the center is extreme misogyny. Now, incels themselves, it's a very... You could call it a defeatist ideology. Essentially that these people have taken this philosophy called the black pill as opposed to the red pill, which mm -hmm. essentially says that you have physical defections, you're ugly, that's why you can't get with women, and that there's no way of stopping it, that society is built against you. The researchers aimed to comprehend the difficulties that incels encounter when using dating apps and how these experiences might influence their beliefs and overall well-being. The study's author, Brandon Sparks, a senior lecturer in forensic psychology at Kingston University, emphasized the importance of approaching incels with empathy, recognizing that repeated rejection can be emotionally taxing. In addition, incels have garnered media attention for seemingly random attacks of violence. Much attention has centered around the misogynistic and violent discourse that has taken place in online incel forums as well as manifestos written by incels who have perpetuated deadly attacks. The majority of self-proclaimed incels are not violent. However, the potential for violence requires more research and understanding into the experience of incels and the effects of their ideology, not only in their lives, but in society in general. Within the group, there are definitely splits. Uh, there are the people that advocate violence. There are the people who did, don't condone at all what happened here in Toronto on Monday. Um, you have podcasters, you have YouTubers that are posting videos saying we don't condone this. But of course, there are the people within there. There's the cells within this cell that are saying, you know what, they're praising him as a hero. They hero worship Elliot Rogers, who, as we heard earlier, is a man that killed seven people, including himself in California. And he posted on YouTube saying that the main reason he did it is because women didn't find him attractive. We also found in 2015 in Oregon that there was another man who was linked to incels who killed several people. So this study recruited self-identified incels through online platforms and compared their experiences to a group of non-incel individuals. The findings unveiled that incels tend to adopt open-minded practices on dating apps, casting wider nets and swiping right more frequently on profiles. Despite their efforts, incels reported fewer matches, meaningful conversation, dates, sexual encounters, or committed relationships compared to non-incels. Incels displayed a stronger inclination towards seeking long-term relationships while non-incels engaged in dating apps for various social and entertainment-related reasons. The study also underscored that incels faced greater challenges concerning psychological and relational well-being. They reported higher levels of fear about being single, sensitivity to rejection, lower self-esteem, and more depressive symptoms. A significant finding was the robust connection between incels' perceived popularity on dating apps and negative attributes. 
Those who felt less popular tended to experience more depressive symptoms, fear of being single, dating anxiety, lower self-esteem, and insecure attachment. While the study provides valuable insights into the experiences of incels on dating apps, it acknowledges limitations, including potential skepticism among incels toward researchers. The research does not delve into incels' behavior on online forums where much of their ideology is shaped. In conclusion, the study highlights the challenges incels face in the world of online dating, underlining their preference for meaningful relationships over casual encounters. Understanding these intricate dynamics is vital for clinicians working with incel clients and for informing future research in this area. Next up is our advocacy alert. In the intersection of mental wellness and the climate crisis, a bipartisan effort is underway in the United States to address the mental health impacts of climate change. It's known as the Community Mental Wellness and Resilience Act of 2023, or S. 1452 in the Senate and H.R. 3073 in the House. This proposed legislation aims to provide funding and technical assistance for the formation and operation of diverse coalitions nationwide. These coalitions will focus on building mental wellness and resilience in the face of adversities brought about by the climate crisis, while also implementing local climate solutions. Essential to the success of this endeavor are social workers and other health and behavioral health professionals. The Community Mental Wellness and Resilience Act includes several key provisions. One, establishing a competitive grant program. The legislation plans to create a competitive grant program under the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. These grants will support community-based programs that take a public health approach to enhancing mental wellness and resilience. Two, building capacity for mental wellness. These programs will work to strengthen the mental wellness and resilience of all residents. The goal is to prevent and address mental health issues resulting from disasters and toxic stresses associated with climate change. And three, addressing rural mental health disparities. Recognizing the unique challenges faced by rural communities, the act includes provisions to address mental health disparities in these areas. And number four, community-led initiatives. The legislation supports community-led initiatives to develop and implement culturally appropriate strategies that promote and sustain population-level mental wellness and resilience. Special attention will be given to high-risk individuals. The proposed act acknowledges the critical need to address the mental health aspects of climate change. As the climate crisis continues to impact communities, fostering mental wellness and resilience is seen as a vital component of the broader response. The active involvement of professionals in the healthcare and behavioral health sectors, such as social workers, will play a crucial role in these efforts. You can write your legislator and discuss this bill and the issues it addresses with your colleagues. Check out NASW legislative alerts, which are linked below, where you can easily write a letter using their automated system. And last, our segment called Did You Know? Have you ever wondered why we blink so often? About 15 to 20 times per minute. You might think it's just to keep our eyes moist. But hold on to those eyelids because research has a fascinating twist to this story. Recent studies suggest that blinking isn't just about eye lubrication. It's also about giving our brains a quick breather. And our brains need lots and lots of breaks. 
Those brief moments when we close our eyelids might actually be tiny mental vacations, allowing our brains to go idle and recharge, even if just for a few seconds. It's like hitting the pause button on your brain's daily Netflix binge, and it turns out that these quick mental pit stops could be more important than we ever imagined. One particularly intriguing study by Shani Grossman and colleagues delved into the question of whether blinking affects our perception of time. They had participants estimate the duration of a white circle presented on a dark screen. The results were surprising. Participants consistently perceived the time interval as shorter when they blinked while viewing it, compared to trials without blinking. This suggests that our perception of time itself may be temporarily suppressed during blinks. So could blinking be a brief escape from reality, offering potential benefits for mental health? While there's no direct evidence supporting this idea, it is an intriguing possibility. And the best part is it doesn't require a significant investment of time. However, it's essential to note that any effects on the mind would likely to be brief. And more research is needed to fully understand the intricacies of how blinking influences our mental processes. The simple act of blinking appears to have more profound implications for our brains than we once thought. It might just be a tiny mental escape button, allowing us to momentarily step away from the demands of a cognitively challenging day. But remember, it's not magic, and it's just one more fascinating aspect of the human experience. Well, that concludes our mental health updates for the month of September and October. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And we really hope that we're able to provide resources that are helpful for you in your personal and professional development. Please take care and we'll see you next time. Oh yeah, P.S. Pretty please. If you do find value in this content, please share with your colleagues or friends or even clients if you think this information could be valuable to them. And also, if you feel like it, we'd love for you to review this podcast or YouTube, whichever way that you're engaging with this content. Uh, It does help the algorithm, as you all know, whatever, like the algorithm out in space. Uh, We would just super appreciate that because it would help get the information to mental health professionals that might be interested. Thank you so much.